Happy to be here with Jonathan Brooke. We're going to talk some Joni Mitchell kind of spon spontaneously here. Yeah. We were recording a YouTube thing and I said, you know, can we just do some quick yeah. Joni talk? And it caught fire. It, we took off real quick. fire. <laughs> Explain to me your Joni, like where did Joni start for you? Like where did it all begin with Joni? I think it was for the roses was it really? in college. Yep. That was my first Joni thing that I just inhaled and I knew, I know every word, every note of yeah. that record. Um, it's just, it's so brilliant just as a musical musicianship and melodic craziness and the majors and the minors and the twists and the turns. And then I guess lyrically it probably spoke to me too. It was so heady and intellectual and yeah. uh, I just love it. And of course there was that picture of her like naked on the rocks. Oh <laughs> yeah, yeah. Because of course it was an album, so it was right. a big picture so you could see. Right. And I thought that was so cool that she was like. Naked. Very daring. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, I love her piano playing on that record. That's the thing that strikes me about that record is like just unconventional, but not weird. Like it won't throw anybody off, but you yeah. like never hear anybody playing that way. Yeah. And it was just so, we were just talking before we started Rolling Tape about Banquet, that song Banquet. Yeah. And like it starts, this song really, or I mean the record, that's the first song on that record. And it's, I think. And it starts like it's already in like mid thought or mid conversation mm -hmm. or something. It just like boom, you're in it, and I love that yeah. so much about that record. What's the one that do do do? Isn't that the same one? Isn't that is banquet? that the same one? I think it is. Okay. Uh, there are a few of those on there because there's Lesson in Survival is on that same record. I'm trying to think of like turns. I guess you tough guru looks yeah. the Bible only a reminder that you're just just, just not, not good enough. enough. You need to believe in something that's a good enough. Yeah. Those, <laughs> Forget it. I know. Well, I think that, um, okay, think chronologically for a second, because that came right after Blue, that record. Yeah, and I never got Blue. <laughs> you never liked Blue? You're the first person I've met. Who, I mean, like, I know Blue, I know the Blue. song, Blue, song, I like tattoos, but I, I never bought that album. Really? No, I had For the Roses, I had Court and Spar, I had Hajira. And then I got into like the poppy ones, the wild things the went 80s. fast, and the what's the one with the doggy dog? Doggy dog. What oh, about doggy dog? I love. What about chalk mark and a rainstorm? Love that. Night ride home was a big one. That's one of my favorites. Night ride, like Cherokee one. Louise, just knocked my head off yeah. my shoulders. Did it go into Turbulent Indigo too, or not? As much I don't know Turbulent one? Indigo so much. Okay, so we can talk. I'm so happy to talk to somebody about the '80s. Jerry I stuff. love that crazy poppy, like Lindrum wax yes. stuff. Yeah. Well, it's very 80s production, mm -hmm. but the songs are great. Ethiopia, <laughs> Ethiopia. It's so good. It, she did a song where her backing, like the instrumentation, was the a cigarette, cigarette machine. machine. I mean, that's... Try another... That was so good. That was before yeah. we were, like, looping and sampling. Crap. Right. Right. That was she, maybe Joni, one of the of first... Yeah, one of the first examples of that. So, okay... So to this day, have you gotten into Blue or just nope. never? Never bought it. Wow. Never went back. And you have no intentions to? Nope. That's like the iconic I don't know. Jonah. I mean, I'm sure I know the songs on it because I've probably heard them over the years. But Blue is probably to. the only... Oh, I know A Case of You, yeah. And what about Last Time I Saw Richard or California or All I Want? Uh, you probably know All I Want. Oh, I know All I Want. But I, you know what? I know all those songs from the live record, right. Miles of Isles. Right. right. Which was... Actually, that was my first... My that brothers brought Miles of Isles home. So I had Miles of Isles first. Before For the Roses? Before For the Roses. Before college. And I love Miles of Isles. I mean, That's I love all of That's a great record. What a great live record. And then the live was. one with um, 
What's the other live one where... Shadows and Light. Shadows and Light. Oh. That's a good one, too. Although that focused on, like, the late 70s. That was mostly, like, Hegira and, you know, Hissing of Summer Lawns and a lot of Mingus on yeah. that record, too. I don't know Mingus. I don't know Hissing of Summer Lawns. But I know Hegira. And that song, Amelia, is, is pr- pretty near and dear. That's a great well, that's, song. Well, that's, like, a perfect song. Yeah. It really is that song. Yeah. Okay, so let's... Okay, let's go back to the 80s. We're so excited. We're kind of all over the place. I know. Sorry. <laughs> no, it's, it's good. It's been so long. I didn't realize what a Joni fan I am. Yeah. Well, and to spontaneously throw this at you, too, is, is hard because we didn't... Okay, maybe start here. Do you have a top five Joni list? Is that hard? Like, what is your top five Joni records, if you had to put them in order? Uh, it, it might change... Today it might be I would maybe put Night Ride Home at the top, but having listened back in my brain just now to For the Roses, that would be right up there just for its compositional yeah. intensity. Yeah. Um, and I was just teaching songwriting last week right. in Nashville, right. so it makes me really want to go listen to that record again. Mm-hmm. Uh, I mean, Court and Spark is probably a top five just because there's so many great tunes on there, and it's. It's so seminal. Yeah. So Night Ride Home for the Roses. Corn Spark. Mm. Are the 80s ones going to make it out? I don't know. I think there's something about... Oh, yeah. Dog Eat Dog. I love... I I just love that record. It's so political. It's so... And Wild Things Run Fast. And Wild Things Run Fast. Okay, good. Is that five? That is five. You're the second one with uh, with Wild Things... But Miles and Miles, I get the live. Because there's something about people live that is so... Really proves them. Yep. To me, I'm very partial to live records. Actually, yeah. I kind of, I usually prefer live records to studio records. Yeah, there's records. something just so visceral about a performance, and that's it. You didn't right. fix it. Not that you could back in the eighties. Right. <laughs> Not like we can now. Well, they can do a lot of trickery before now, cutting though. and pasting and yeah. before auto tune. You know, when people actually had to sing the song right. all the way through, play the song all the way through, <laughs> and not. Fuck it up. Yeah. <laughs> Sorry. No. Not that's, screw it up. No, that's fine. We can, we're keeping it on there. I love it. Um, so, the, okay, the 80s records. What was going on for you in the 80s? Like, what? where were you in your life in the 80s? You were developing as a singer-songwriter. I was just starting to write songs. I was in college. I was an English major. So I was obsessed with, you know, moody poetry and mm-hmm. being depressed and writing, like, intricate, sad songs. Okay. And so, of course, Joni was huge. Joni and Ricky Lee and mm-hmm. Suzanne Vega. Uh, and then, yeah. So it was a, I guess it was a big influential time. And then I started figuring out open tunings. Mm-hmm. Partly because of Joni and partly because of the Roach sisters. Okay. Because they had this song called the Hammond Song that I loved so much. That mm-hmm. I figured out a tuning that would make it work for me, so okay. I could play that, the riff that they have in that song. But I think Joni was a big part of like I gotta find some open tunings, man, because right. this this sounds right. This sounds way better. Yeah. Than what I can do in standard tuning. I just never got standard tuning, and I never took lessons, so sure. I was playing completely by ear. I asked you before if you use a lot of open tunings, and you said all. The time. <laughs> I only have three songs <laughs> not in open tunings. That's that's great. Yeah. Do you do 
I, I mean, I know the answer to this, but I'm putting the question out there mm -hmm. for people who might not know the answer. You do like lots of changes within, like you, you don't do. have one open tuning that you use all the time. No, I have two that are my main act, my main ones, mm -hmm. and then I try to sort of the set list has depends a little bit on right. where I'm going from each. It's that tuning thing. and talking. The tuning thing. and talking thing. That's an art in itself. It is. And I know. It's a hard I, I mean, art. I've heard. Or read interviews where you know it was really tough for Joni because like almost every song had a different tuning and she would talk about maybe it was on Night Ride Home when I I think I read an interview about her just going outside and sort of tuning the guitar to the the universe that right. day mm -hmm. or the you know the chirping of the crickets that evening right. was in C mm -hmm. so that tuning happened to be in C and that's how Night Ride Home became whatever key it was in right, but it right, was right. like she tuned the guitar to <laughs> to the universe yeah there are lots of examples of that, even back in the um, like the sil silky veils of ardor song, you know, where there's that, or even some of the songs, um, Mingus, where there's like a little bit more percussive element to the mm. guitar. She did a lot of that too, where like the dissonance, even like the overtones that she was getting mm. from some of the, you know, it it was all depending upon like the room she was recording in, and mm -hmm. she would just rely on at that point like jazz players to stick with her instead yeah. of these like studio musicians who were, you know, at early in the 70s basically trying to rein her in and be like no that's not conventional enough yeah she she went with the jazz guys who would let her do whatever and just kind of try to stick with her and yeah. everything opened up for her yeah do you know about her roland guitar that was the oh late my god 90s guitar? yeah i i bought of course i bought one because i'm like oh really? i can pedal between my tunings and i won't have to you know and then i can just ram through my set list and keep the pacing going so i I bought one and I hated it. I never liked it's the sound the of it. Worst thing. There's. It feels like there's this latency. Mm. So you're hitting your car cord and you want you want to feel an attack and you just don't get it. Yeah. It's like it's a little bit late and it's swimmy, and so that lasted for one tour and then I just threw it out. I think I just threw it out into a really? dumpster somewhere. I was so bummed. Wow. Because it seemed like such a great idea. Yeah. But the, also you get the residue of like you're actually hearing acoustically, you're hearing standard tuning. Right. Even if you're playing with a band loud, you're still, you, you know, your body is hearing and feeling and your ears are feeling a little bit. The acoustic sound of the standard tuning strings, which you're actually playing, and yes, you're getting the VG8s transposition right. from your monitor but it's it's just the That's least satisfying thing yeah. in the whole it was really a bummer that i kind of i think she kind of gave it up too i think so that was right around the time she just kind of stopped touring in general i it, saw her on that tour did you okay where she used the bg8 and i was like what happened to her this is just all reverb and chorus and i can't even hear the guitar and it's this swimmy mess. It was her and Van Morrison and Dylan. You saw that I tour. I saw that which, tour which in city? L.A. In L.A. Yeah. Okay. I, what I, the last episode I did, with, or two episodes ago, was with Edie Falco. We were just talking about Edie. And uh, we were talking about, because she, uh, she was saying that she never felt like she could go see Joni live. To be in the same room would have been, like, too much for her emotionally <laughs> to handle. And the only time, because I was pretty, like, Joni really stopped touring around that time, and I was still, like, in high school at the time. Mm -hmm. So I grew up in, like, the Milwaukee area, and that tour came to Chicago, but I was, like, 15 or 16, and I couldn't convince anybody to, like, take me to oh, it. Bummer! But I kind of felt okay with it at the time, because in my head I was like, well, she'll, like, she'll keep touring, of course, 
And then I remember thinking like, you know, of course, Dylan and Van Morrison, who I've seen since and probably had before then too, are legends too. But there was something about like seeing Joni by herself that would have been much more interesting yeah. to me than like packaged in between these other two yeah. guys, you know, it, so I wasn't really too bummed. Exactly. But then it turned out that really was kind of the end. She did an orchestral tour, a short oh, orchestral tour after that. <sighs> Yeah, I, I can't beautiful. remember. I think it was the both sides. Now it might have been Travelog, one of those. But she did oh. like fifteen dates or something with different orchestras. I have to say, I love. I mean, I know it's yeah. You know, she has like half a vocal cord left because of chain smoking, but mm-hmm. what a sound! I think I, actually that rich baritone she's become is so compelling. It's as I've talked to people through this podcast. Actually, that's not an unpopular opinion. Actually, people mm. really love those records. There yeah. is something very moving about it. It's kind of like how I feel about recent Glenn. Campbell records. I don't know if you ever listened to him or not, but he's got a new one coming. I heard. I don't know if I can handle that one. That, I know. I'm. I don't know how recent the actual vocals are going to be, so I'm the, curious. I read a piece that said they were recorded like four years ago. Okay, so he'll be. It'll be great. It should be good, but there's still something. Jimmy like, Webb was saying it's beautiful. Oh really? I just saw him in Nashville do a little talk back thing at the at the Hall of Fame. Really? Okay. And um. Well, he would know if anybody would. But. Yeah, I mean, who, who knows, but... I mean, I I don't know if I... What I meant by that is, like, that his... I, I didn't grow up a super fan of his, but actually his yeah. record, um, I think it's called Introducing Glenn Campbell or Meet Glenn Campbell, something like that. Mm-hmm. Um, that just became one of my favorite records. And it, it, what a singer. He's just so incredible. And there's yeah. something so moving about, like, an older voice... Mm. singing these like he sang a John Lennon song and a U2 song and like a Green Day song for God's sake and you know like it was just so moving it was very similar to what Joni did you know Um, and so that's kind of where I was at with with the new Glenn Campbell I was like I don't know it's just so it makes me too sad yeah Yeah. we saw the movie I did that made me weep yeah so I don't know Um, yeah hopefully I don't know if they ever make a documentary about Joni I probably won't be able to take that one very well, but um, so the '80s records, though, anything in particular about those '80 record '80s records well, that you love? Well, I'm a fan of that goofy production. Are you? I really am. The Larry um, Klein kind of yeah, and the Tom Stolby mm-hmm. stuff. Uh, I just like pop music, and I love that she was trying. You know, I love that she didn't repeat herself. I mean, I yeah. think that's. That's really at the root of it. It's yeah. not like, ooh, that was an amazing Lindrum sample. Right. <laughs> um, it's that she was always pushing herself and trying new things and, and deal, talking to different people. And like she probably heard, I don't know, she bought a movie with science or something and then was like, well, let's see what happens if I team up with that dude. Mm-hmm. And I think that you have to do that if you're a serious artist. Mm-hmm. You can't just keep making the same record year after year. And I think that's something I aspire to as well. Like, I I do try to find different people each time, and I want to make different music. I'm, like, thinking of new things now that I'm going to do that are going to totally make my head spin off. Mm-hmm. But why bother if you're not going to do that? Yeah. And I think she's this great example of trying new shit. Evolving is evolving an and like aspect of getting her ass kicked in, yeah. in the best way, and and I think we all should do that. That's our job. She has a unique spot in the music landscape because she was always mm-hmm. Joni Mitchell, you know, like this pretty iconic person. Really, from like four records in, like mm-hmm. after Blue came out, she had cemented herself, and mm-hmm. you know, like that was within like a four or five year span. So she's had these 
40 years since that time, 45 years since then, just as this God, you know, mm-hmm. to all songwriters and to, and to a lot of people who aren't songwriters who just appreciate music in a lot of ways. And um, like you say, she wasn't content to just keep repeating. She mm-hmm. always pushed herself knowing that half of her audience might not go along with mm-hmm. her. And she didn't care. No, and I think she maybe there was enough success that she didn't have to mm-hmm. keep slogging around the world. Yeah. You know, just trying to make ends meet. And she had enough composure and sense of herself and who she is that she wasn't trying to chase success. Mm-hmm. I mean, it might have been heartbreaking that she wasn't sort of a household name in the sort of pop world. She wasn't, but she was just revered. And like anyone who's anyone who's a musician who knows what music means and what she has done and what it takes to do what she's done uh, knows her. And I think she just had the confidence and the sense of herself that she just did what she needed to do mm-hmm. every time and wasn't chasing something. Right. That's why the 80s records in particular are interesting to me because mm-hmm. she had just gone through this very jazz thing and there are still elements of that for mm-hmm. sure in the 80s records and even the early 90s records. But like, um, she, it's not conventional, but it is in mm-hmm. a way. There there was like, it, it sounds like the 80s and she, like, look at the people she had guesting on those mm-hmm. records. Tom Petty was on one of those records. Billy oh. Idol was on one of oh, those no records. Oh, no shit. I didn't remember that. Um, Peter Gabriel. I mean, is there a more well, iconic 80s person than Peter Gabriel? Yeah. And I mean, all these people. There, there are more people who I'm forgetting at the time. I mean, all sorts of um, people who were really kind of marked in this era, too, of mm-hmm. like, you know, the 1980s. Obviously, she never got Madonna or Prince on one of these records. But <laughs> like, you know. That would have been cool. It would have been and, cool. Prince and Joni. Well, Prince was a massive Joni fan. Of course. So I don't know. Maybe she didn't reciprocate, or I don't know. Maybe she did. I don't know. I have no idea. But he, he would have been, I'm sure, thrilled that to be on one of those combination. Maybe, maybe somewhere in his, you know, storied vaults, there's something. Probably, I'm sure. That, I'm sure he sent her something at some point. Yeah. Like, hey, I want to put some vocals on this. Mm-hmm. <laughs> but so that the pop stuff in the '80s, even though it was very pop. Still, there's something authentic about it. Absolutely. That's, that's kind of amazing if you think about it. Yeah, I'm blanking on song titles because it's been so long since I've even talked about her. But Wild Things Run Fast. What about that like Chinese Cafe Unchained Melody thing? That's another example of like taking a... You, do you remember that? That's... Oh, my love, my darling. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. I need your love. Yeah. Great. Yeah. What's but wrong it, with that? Nothing. No, there's nothing wrong with that. But I mean, taking a song like Unchained Melody yeah. and kind of intermingling it. She did that earlier with, I don't know if you know, because it's on, I think, Hissing, which I think you said you don't know don't that really record know that as much. Record. But do you, have you ever heard the Harry's House Centerpiece thing? She did that with like this jazz standard called Centerpiece. Centerpiece, where she, standard. And she shoved it right in the middle of this song that she wrote called ah, Harry's House. So cool. it's similar to this, except Unchained Melody just... Yeah. wraps up the song but um, yeah I don't know Wild Things Run Fast is like a real like kind of happy record mm-hmm. too I mean she had just fallen in love with Larry Klein I can't remember I think they maybe got married the year did he after. produce that one? Too? I think he did he certainly played on it yeah I can't remember if he um, produced that one or not he produced the ones after that but um, yeah 
So a happy record, happy pop record from yeah. Joni Mitchell after going through this jazz thing that turned off a lot of people. Mm-hmm. Was there some semblance in her mind of like trying to revive? I wonder. Her you know, now that I've not. said, oh, she never chased anything. I mean, maybe it was sort of trying to turn over a leaf and, and get back into the fray. But at least she did, a, you know, an interesting job of it. Yeah. I think there's something I I kind of want to know, like, because the, the 80s production, like, was she excited to have new tools and, like, new toys to play with? Or did she have to be convinced of this and at some point kind of get on board? Because, like, when whenever there's new toys, we're looking back on it again mm-hmm. 30 years later going, oh, those toys aren't so fun to play. Like, you know, in, in mm-hmm. retrospect, they aren't that impressive. But at the time, they sure were. Totally. So, you know. Yeah, hard to say. Can I mean, you get wrapped up in that? <laughs> yeah. Like, was she kicking and screaming into technology or was she, like, embracing, wow, I can get all these cool sounds out of my DX7. Mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I don't know. That's that's the question, though. I mean, she, she just kept writing and these songs actually we were talking about dog eat dog have you ever seen any of those songs played live just her and a piano or her and a guitar during the during did the she tour do that? yeah during oh. the tour for that record she did she did she didn't do like a long performing tour but she did a lot of like interviews and stuff in those couple years where she played some of the songs like her on piano and, and singing or her and guitar and singing with larry on bass oh cool and uh the songs sound as amazing as anything she ever wrote it's just these 80s uh records they use different things instead Mm -hmm. of like a conventional piano sound but it's always the test of a good song yeah hold up with a piano and a vocal Mm -hmm. and i think most of hers really can i think so too it's not in the end it's not about the production I think these some, I think these records are overlooked because of that. Yeah. I've mentioned this before. Hopefully people aren't getting tired of it. But you know how there are a lot of artists now who go back and re-record like acoustic versions of their old songs. Like Suzanne mm-hmm. Vega's done like four of those records oh, wow. where, you know, she goes back and just it's her and a guitar, all these songs that she did. Mm-hmm. I know Joni is like just recovering right now, but wouldn't that be the greatest thing to to redo these eighties songs in like just her and a piano or her and That'd a guitar? Be great. It would be amazing. I hope she Let's gives write that her to us. See someday. if she will. I don't. I don't know. I You're hope we get Joni. something more from Joni, but I kind of. I don't know how receptive she would be. She. I think she is very protective of her work too. I think she would find the idea that we were suggesting that there was something wrong with those '80s records insulting. Well, who said? Who's saying that? Well, no, I don't think that either. But yeah. you know what I mean. Like, I think these songs. Hey, Joni, be... like, could you do like an acoustic version of <laughs> Ethiopia for me, I real would quick? Love that. Just, Just send it to my phone or love something. To hear that, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but anyway, well, um, yeah. How, how has Joni affected you as a songwriter? That's a big question. But I have no idea. But I'm you sure know? you can hear it. Yeah, I can uh, hear Joni and you. I'm sure, yeah, I'm sure it's in there. I mean, just from the untrained, just the untrained nature of how I play, which, uh, you know, I guess is, I would imagine is a little bit of how she came to find her voice, you know, Mm -hmm. finding her own tunings and singing in a sort of unconventional way, Mm -hmm. you know, where there's a very clear break in her voice and she, you know, she didn't train it out. Uh, I think that, there are similarities in that with me and it's just I mean we're the products of our own limitations really and that becomes what is so unique about us so I think that's 
that's sort of my way and, and perhaps the way I might resemble her and just the open tuning I'm sure is a an obvious influence. Sure. Would you put her in the pantheon of like if somebody asks you who your biggest influences are, is she on that list? Yeah, I guess she'd have to be. Yeah. yeah. Who else is on that list? Well, Ricky Lee Jones. Okay. Big time. Shaka Khan, believe it or not. Really? You want to hear something interesting? Shaka Khan and Joni, very good friends. Oh, no shit. Yep. Very Shaka good Khan, friends. For sure. Stevie. Uh, the Stevie Nicks or Wonder? Wonder. Okay. Um, you know, and Elise Regina, this Brazilian singer, she, she died very young, but huge influence on the way I sing. Shirley okay. Horn. Okay. Uh, That's interesting. Yeah. And then now I'm obsessed with this Belgian guy right now. Name is Stromae. Huh. Obsessed. Wow. <laughs> Does he know? No idea. Okay. He's this young kid. He's half Belgian, half Rwandan. Interesting. Like his mom is Belgian and his dad is a Tutsi. Hmm. And he's just doing this amazing combination of rap, uh, uh, electronic stuff with mm-hmm. real instruments imposed on them and these gorgeous melodies that are hooks and then rapping in between in French that and just compelling beautifully beautifully crafted mm-hmm. lyrics yeah nice nice latest. so what's we we should plug some of your stuff you've got a wonderful new record Midnight Alleluia you've got like 10 different projects going on right oh now. My God, what else? So Can you tired. give us a rundown of what's going on? Okay. We're in your house that you're renovating, so that's a big thing. <laughs> I'm tired because we have no kitchen. We have like this, this styrofoam cooler in the garage that's mm-hmm. our fridge. So at least we have half and half for our coffee in the morning. We have sure. a toaster oven and a coffee maker. and we're, So we're dying slowly uh, and we're eating out way too much and getting fatter and fatter from the restaurant food. But anyway, that's a fancy problem. What am I working on? I have this new record out called Midnight Hallelujah, and I'm touring a lot behind that. I am working on two different musicals, one called Quadroon that I was working on with Joe Sample when he passed away, but that's a long-term commitment of mine really? to finish Quadroon. And I'm working with a playwright here, and he lives in St. Paul, but um, his name is Harrison David Rivers, okay. and we're working on finishing that musical. We're getting another new musical with a playwright named Jeffrey Nofts. Okay. Uh, and that's sort of ongoing, and we're workshopping that in the fall at University of Texas. Nice. I am uh, teaching songwriting regularly in Nashville. Mm-hmm. I am... There was some other thing that I was doing. The, the, sh- the one-woman show. Oh, yeah, the one-woman show. I'm yeah. trying to bring to Minneapolis my show called My Mother Has Four Noses. I hope that happens. I, I really know. Do. I think this would be a great... I think... I mean, I did it here before I took it to Off-Broadway, mm-hmm. so we premiered at the Dowling Theater at, at the Guthrie, mm-hmm. and it was a big success. And uh, so I, I just feel like everyone needs to sort of hear and talk about those issues that I yeah. deal with in the play. When you were doing that, I was in Arizona. I wasn't here back then, which is why. So I haven't seen so the So we show. have to bring it here. Yes, please bring okay. it here. We'll do that. I want to help make that happen somehow. I don't know how I can help, but... We'll start a letter writing <laughs> campaign. I don't even know to who, but you tell me who and I'll send them a letter. Yeah, well, maybe um, Joe Hodge at the Guthrie and Sarah Rasmussen at Jungle Theater. Okay, on it. Let them know. Yeah. No, I think this would be really cool. Um, Yeah, and then you're curating, like you were saying, a series at the Dakota, basically. Yeah, I'm getting to do this residency at the Dakota, which is super fun. I do a whole different show each time, and I bring in different musicians each time, and... 
hopefully I'm showcasing uh, Minnesota artists mm-hmm. while, I'm, while I'm here learning yeah. who they are. Uh, and then trying new stuff on my own. I have a bunch of new songs I've been writing. I don't Good. know when, but Good. I have a couple of new songs I want to premiere. Nice. At the Dakota. At the Dakota. Hear them first at the Dakota. Dakota Jazz Club. Yeah. Cool. Well, this was awesome. Thank you so Thank much you for so doing much. this. Oh, I guess Lovely. they can't see us. Shake. We're, We're shaking, shaking hands. hands. <laughs> nice. Bye, everybody. Bye. See you tomorrow. Thanks for doing oh. that. Yeah, that's the other one. <laughs> I know.